Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Glad you guys are all here with us. Watching online, I want to say welcome. Thank you for watching with us. We're happy that you're with us. If you're listening to us on our podcast, don't know when this is, uh, but for you, but we're happy that you are with us today. A couple of housekeeping things, and then we're going to dive right in. Uh, I, I have all intentions of finishing chapter seven of Acts today. I know that y'all don't believe in me. But I have intentions. My intentions are good. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Allen will be sharing. Um, and then the following week after that, Pastor Marsha will be sharing because I will be getting on a boat and getting off of a boat um, for those two Sundays. So I will not be here. Um, and so they are going to be taking care of everything. If you don't need anything, uh, make sure you contact Pastor Marsha. Um, we're going to put her personal cell phone number on our Facebook feed. Um, share it with your friends. Um, she particularly likes to get calls around 10.30 to 2 a.m. Um, so yeah, just check in with her every once in a while. But we're happy that she's going to be uh, ministering t- with us. Let's pray and dive right in because I'm going to do this. Heavenly God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that as we finish this chapter in the name of Jesus, as we finish this chapter, that we move forward um, in your word. Speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Make it uh, something that pierces our hearts in 2023 or whenever we are listening to this. Uh, also, Holy Spirit, let it be encouraging. Um, I thank you that as you, your word can both uh, encourage and correct, it is always in a loving way, and we give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. Um, God is love, and he always uh, does everything he does out of love. Sometimes loving your children also means um, consequences for said actions. Okay? Okay. Um, consequences or lack of consequences, I should say, lack of consequences or lack of, um, uh, I don't use the word punishment or uh, discipline or timeouts or uh, taking away devices or spankings or, or noses in the corner, whatever it is you use for your, your thing. Lack of that does not mean you love more. On the adverse, harder discipline doesn't mean you love more either. This is the cool thing about God is he is, if you can picture him as a, um, the best surgeon known to man. His scalpel cuts, but it cuts to heal. It doesn't mean that there's not an, uh, an oh me moment, but it always means it's for your benefit. So over the past few weeks, we have been walking through, I don't know when we started the book of Acts, but we did. And I want to say it was May or June, and we're on the seventh chapter. Um, and we're rolling into October. Um, but one thing that has happened is that we've had some really cool dialogues. This is not a college lecture. Um, this is uh, something that we have studied out and we allow Holy Spirit to speak to us. 
but we do also talk back. Um, it, it, everything that is taking place on a Sunday service should impact your day on a Thursday. Everything that we talk about and every moment of worship should create momentum for you on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever it is. And so we've had wonderful times up here, um, and then I have loved having phone calls or messages or, hey, can I talk to you for a second on a Thursday or a Friday to get more clarification about something personal, and that's a great too. So if there's anything that is ever going on, we are here collectively for each other's benefit. You're not here for me. I'm not here for me. We're here for each other. Amen? So let's go ahead and dive in. Stephen has been um, speaking to the Sanhedrin at this moment, um, and he's walked through some of the history. We're, we're at Moses, um, and so uh, we're going to back up a little bit to verse 35 of chapter 7. Uh, Lauren, the extraordinaire, is going to look how fast. That was just, look at you, just killing it. Um, put it on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But if you do or have a, a device that has one on there, we're at Exodus. Acts chapter 7, verse 35. Then this Moses, who they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush? He, Moses, brought them out after he showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. We talked about that last week, verse 37. This Moses who, has, who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for yourself for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on the Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to, to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And he... And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifices to the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. This is bringing back to the book of Exodus. Moses has just uh, shown the amazing might of God um, in Egypt. Uh, there, there was ten plagues. We talked about those last week. Now, Pharaoh finally let the people go. Um, he chased them down. Uh, God decided to drown them because they were attack, or trying to attack the Israelites. Um, they sang, they danced, they did all of these things. God was showing his, his power and his might. They, they get um, to the land uh, where Mount Sinai is now, and God says, I want to meet with my people. They say, no, we don't want to do that. What we will do is we will send a representative and he will hear you, and you will hear him, and then he will speak to us. This happens in our world today. I, I love what I do, but I can't be your oracle. God wants to speak to you when I'm unavailable. And he wants you to speak to him when I'm unavailable. You can come and you can bounce ideas off of me and we can, we can have a great conversation and we can pray and we can seek God's face together, but your relationship with God is your relationship with God. That is a beautiful part of the cross is it's no longer I that has to be, or the priest that has to be the, the, the conversation piece between you and God, but you get to have that. 
But I also find it interesting, Bob, that, 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 that God calls them to the mountain to meet with them. They say, no, we would rather have something that we can relate to bring it down to our level. In other words, I don't want to deal with something that I can't understand. I want somebody who looks like me, who talks like me, who dresses like me, who has flesh like me. They can speak on your behalf, God, because we don't want that kind of relationship. We want relatability with each other, not relationship with you. And this is where we are today. This, Moses, this is that Moses that said to the children of Israel. If you notice this in verse 37, when he went before them, uh, Stephen, speaking to the council, uh, they presumed upon themselves and they lived their lives. They followed the law of Moses. Moses to them was only second to God. Like it's just at this, uh, at this moment in life, Moses is everything. And he's saying, hey, remember when Moses told you that he would send somebody like him? Here he is. The Moses that you regard so high, the Moses that you think has done everything. Remember when he, how great he is? Yeah, 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 yeah. We remember Moses. Yeah, yeah. He said this day was coming. But he also points back, that same Moses that you guys regard so greatly is the same Moses that spoke to God, that wrote the laws, and your fathers didn't believe him. They didn't believe him so much that they wanted to create their own golden calf. Because when Moses no longer came down at their time when they thought he should come down, when he didn't do what they thought he should do, when he thought he should do it, and how he, he, they thought he should do it, they decided amongst themselves, let's create our own God. This will be easier. We'll get some gold, and we'll make a cow, and we'll worship that cow. And then we will then take all of that God's, mind you, if I can paint you a picture, as they are camped at Mount Sinai, the scripture is very clear that a cloud descended, there was lightning, there was thunder, the earth was shaking at the voice of God. This is not a clear fall day and they're just relaxing going, hey, anybody see Moses? It's obvious with a Mount Vesuvius looking volcano about to erupt, that something up there is happening. And then they go and say, hey, Moses hasn't come back when we thought he should. So that whole human skin thing that we originally wanted didn't work. Because now we realize we can't control a human. So let's control something that we can actually move by our own hands, which is this golden calf. And then we're going to take this golden calf. You ready for this? And we're going to say, you see that guy up there? The one that delivered us? This is him now. We're going to take a ginormous cloud that has been shooting lightning bolts and shaking the earth, and we're going to water him down to something that two people can hold with their own hands. We're going to take the supernatural, we're going to take the everything that created everything, and we're going to boil it down to a one-liner and go, I'm spiritual too because my, 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 my heart's pure. 
I do good things, so that's the same as God. I care for people. I'm as good as... Who made him special? Well, no one in this room would say that. We do this with our actions. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to have a relationship with the bigness of God. We want to water it down to something that's convenient that I can put in my pocket. And we want to say, this thing is my deliverer. You don't believe me? Do you understand how many things that we do even in... Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm pulling back for a second because I was about to get canceled. Um, how many things that we do in different churches that we do symbolically, okay? When we do communion, it's a spiritual symbolism for something that is real, okay? When we drink the grape juice, it doesn't turn physically into Jesus' blood, okay? We don't have it on tap. When we're handing out the wafers, we're not out there, you know, just shaving off some skin and saying this is the flesh of Jesus. It's symbolism. See, what symbolism does is symbolism always points back to something bigger than ourselves. It reminds us of our smallness to something great. What they did was they exchanged the greatness for the smallness. We just we sang a song today about Holy Spirit come in this place, right? Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 came in like a cloud, right? It filled the room. So let's just say we can't reduplicate that. Can everybody agree with me on that one? Like I can't push a magic button and like the genie from Aladdin, the Holy Spirit just comes float, floating in and he fills the room, right? I, I can't make that happen. But what I can do is I can turn on... Is this still here? I can turn on a smoke machine. And I can emulate the smoke of the Holy Spirit. And then I can look at you and go, the Holy Spirit's in here because I made smoke happen. That sounds stupid, but that's what they're doing. Because they couldn't control him they can't determine what he does when he does it, will make him smaller to something that we can control. And this is what's happening in our church world today. We do not want a relationship with an uncontrollable God. We want to water him down to three points in a poem that I can tweet about and then say, that's my God. Because the reality is, is a deep relationship with an uncontrollable God creates a moment in my life where I have to give, I feel like I have to give an explanation for everything he does and says, and that's a lot of work. So I'd rather just water him down to something easy. We don't like the God of the Old Testament. We like, we like this idea that Jesus is love. We don't want to explain who's going to go to heaven so we'll just water it down to something that I control, 
God knows everybody's heart and he's bigger than I am and I'm sure there's going to be many people who are there that we're surprised about. No. I don't know man's heart. But there is one way into heaven and that's through Jesus. I can say that with confidence. Y'all, what we can't do is we can't take things that we, uh, that we want to control and make them our gods now. A God that I can fully understand and a God that I can fully control is too small to be my God. But here's the thing, and y'all need to understand this. If he is bigger than me and he is bigger than my mindset and he is bigger than my, than my comfort level, I also have to sacrifice who I am and my comforts and my wishes and my wants and my desires and entrust that the bigger and greater knows bigger and better than I. But when God doesn't do what we want him to do, we pitch a fit and we go, you know what? I want a different one. We swipe left on God. Yeah. This is like a, a spiritual online dating service, it seems like. As long as his bio meets what we want it, we'll keep him in check. But the moment that he's not, then we'll swipe and we'll go to somebody else. This version of God didn't work for me, but I'll chase after this one. The God of my job, that will, that, will, that will be what I chase after with all my heart because I can control my time. And Well, then the economy crashed, so I'll go after the God of my friendships and relationships. Well, then they, they abandoned me, so I'll go after the God of my funness and all those things. And then that, that happened. And, and what's happening is that we, we continue to, 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 to fight the same fight they fought in the wilderness, and that is this. Who will be our God? Will he be the God of the entire universe or will he be the one crafted by human hands? So if we can, he's painting this picture that back then they worshipped a God that they created with their own hands. And if I can just have some liberty, he points at the vastness of their temple and goes, and you're doing the same thing. Because they began to worship the temple made by the hands of man and forfeited the relationship of the creator of the universe. And then he adds a stab. The stab is this. It was a pagan Herod who built this temple to start with. This beautiful temple that you guys are all enamored with Right? All this greatness? Remember, it, it wasn't built by God. It was built by a, a pagan who was a horrible sinner. Y'all despise, but he cut you a check, so now he's okay. No? We're going we're gonna to skip past that one? Is that one okay? Isn't it interesting how people have strong convictions until somebody cuts a check? No? All righty. <laughs> somebody can make me famous. Somebody can make me happy. Somebody can give me my desires. Then we'll make side roads. The problem was is that Stephen, who was accused for blasphemy, didn't actually speak against the temple. They worshipped the temple of God more than God of the temple. 
I haven't seen this in church recently, what I'm about to explain, but I think I can use an old example. It's this idea that we were once lost, we were once broken, we were once busted and disgusted. There's a story that Pastor Allen uses that when he got saved, he would come in wearing overalls, smelly and dirty, and he would sit in the back of the sanctuary because he was on the floor because he didn't want to make anything dirty and messy, and then he got cleaned up and he's in a suit and tie now. It's beautiful, fantastic. However, what happens sometimes is that we forget that we were once dirty and nasty, and then we see people who is dirty and nasty, and we go, oh, they're going to be a mess. Let's create this place to be a place for us as a club and expel the undesirables. Okay? That's the idea here of now we're so concerned about preserving my seat and preserving my comfort level that I will worship this instead of the deliverer. Because the idea of messiness and messy people is a lot of work and we would just much rather make this uncomfortable. Governments do this. Do you remember when downtown Montgomery used to be kind of hood? Anybody remember that? I remember that. And now it's not. Does anybody know what happened? People got together, and they determined to buy a bunch of property on the Lolo. And it's called economic warfare, because then they would raise the rent to expel the undesirables, a specific class of people, which is unacceptable, but that's what they did, to turn it into their new utopia that they like. Some hate coming this way. <laughs> but this is what churches do too. Is that we now will create a, a fake utopia and we will make it so where undesirables can't even come into our culture, they can go do their own thing. We don't seek after the, the broke, busted, disgusted, sick, those who are in need of Jesus. We look for people who are just like us because anybody who doesn't look like me will make me uncomfortable. I don't want to do the work to help educate people in poverty. I don't want to do the work to help them get out of the situation. I don't want to do the work to help them uh, be better on their feet, to help them with life skills. It's just much easier for me to buy them out and send them away. be my last message, it sounds like. All right. <laughs> this is what Stephen's doing. He's looking at this going, you're now worshiping this idea of a comfort level of a temple than the one who created it. Can I tell you, God's not afraid to get dirty. Mind you, he created us from what? And then he spoke life into existence on us, right? Nope. He breathed into you. In other words, I'm not only going to form you with my hands and get my fingernails dirty, I'm going to put my lips so close to the dirt that I can, ex- I, 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 I can breathe life into the dirt. With my hands and with my mouth, I will edify those people who need Jesus. With my hands and with my mouth, I will lift up the broke, busted, and disgusted and help them be restored to Christ. With my hands and with my mouth, I will seek the lost and bring them home. But you've got to be willing to get dirty. 
verse 42, then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. As it is written, the book of the prophets, did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during those 40 years in the wilderness? The answer is yes, they did. But you also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Remphan, and the images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Fun history lesson. At this season of life, they are mingling with the foreign nations, with foreign gods. They're, uh, they're, they were close to the Babylonian Empire at this, at this moment in history as it's uh, growing and expanding. Um, and they had a god that was uh, the, the tabernacle of, of Moloch. And what they would do is that they had this star. It was actually the god of, I think it was Saturn or Jupiter. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, my Bible nerdness is running short today. And, and they, they thought that God, this God, was on a wandering planet. So they would stare at the sun, the moon, the stars, and they would watch and track constellations. We know this from history, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Egyptians. They've done this for millennia. This is nothing new. But they would do is they would realize that there was every once in a while a star that was off topic. They wasn't traveling the same way. It was unpredictable. And so what they would do is they said that that is the God of, insert the person's name, uh, whatever it is, because they are on a wandering star, and everyone we see them, we will worship them, and they will go away for a while. They will bring us blessings while they're there, and then they will go on their galactic journey. It sounds stupid. But last week, I... I just hinted at the idea that we look at our horoscope and try to get guidance, and we think that that's sane. But here's where we are. They're walking hand in hand with the God, with the tabernacle of Moses. They're doing their thing. And on one hand, this is the God that delivered us from Egypt. And on the other hand, this is the tabernacle of Moloch. And we will worship the things up there. But over here, we have our God. But over here, we have our stars. Over here, we have our, our creator. And over here, we have the things that we can control. It's the same thing that's happening now. Nothing has changed. And Stephen is having this conversation with them 2,000 years ago saying, hey, it's been 2,000 years and nothing has changed. And now I'm having this conversation going, hey, it's been another 2,000 years and nothing has changed. We still want our Sunday morning God. He's great and he's wonderful, but we want our side piece too. And God is a jealous God. He does not want a polygamous relationship. He wants one bride to be faithful to him. Y'all, I'm going to do this. Verse 44, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed instructions to Moses to make it according to the patterns that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it, in turn also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers into the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in the temple made by man's hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hands not made all things? 
Stephen's pointing out that the presence of the tabernacle, the presence of the temple, did not keep Israel from rejecting God. If anything, I personally believe it intensified. Because they get to this strong belief that God is in that tabernacle. God is in that temple. I didn't get that. Could you try again? No. <laughs> that God is in that tabernacle, that God is in that temple. When I was a kid, we lived in Slap Out. And uh, my mom, when, you know, my mom and dad at that season of life worked in uh, Autogaville. So they had a nice little drive. This is before Life 360. This is before finding my iPhones. So I knew when they would leave, I had some time. One day in particular, my mom uh, gave me some chores to do, of which was clean my messy room. Abusiveness, I know. But that's what she demanded of me. Such a cruel mom. Which meant for me, I've got a 45-minute drive from Slapout, roughly. They're going to be there all day, and then they will call me, and I've got 45 minutes to clean my room. I can clean my room in 45 minutes. That's not a problem. So when she calls, I'll get it going. Don't remember the exact circumstances, but she didn't call. I believe at that season, she, she stopped somewhere closer to home and told me, hey, I'm on my way home, which my 45-minute all-day trip turns down to 15 minutes flat. 15 minutes was tight. Now, Matt, I had a, a pull-out trundle. So my thought was, if I pull my bed out, I'll just shove all my stuff in my trundle and shove my trundle back under the bed. And you know, Matt, my thought was, what she can't see will be okay. And you know what happened? It worked. It truly did. She had no idea. She walked in, room's clean. Good job, son. I got an attaboy. She had no idea there was a dead body in the trundle. <laughs> I forgot. Weeks go by, and I don't know if she remembers this, but she pulled out, and my trundle wouldn't come out. My mom is very, um, she doesn't quit. Persistent. So that was a wooden bed. So she would do is that she would put her feet on the top of the bed and grab the handles and launch and pull. Well, eventually it came out along with my sin. There was consequences and repercussions on that day. <laughs> but this is the idea. If God is in a temple, he can't see me if I can't see him. If God is stuck over there, when I leave God, then I can do what I want, and then I will come back in and get an attaboy for giving him some time. I can live my life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and when I come walk in on Sunday, he should be hyped that I appeared. And I'll give him his due. He gives me an attaboy for showing up. I get something. He gets something. It's, it's like a spiritual nursing home. We, we, we have our weekly visits to Grandma. We have our weekly visits to God. We hang out, but we can't stay more than two hours. 90 minutes would be preferred. 
and then we'll bail. And we'll leave them there. And this is what they're doing with God. Solomon built a temple as a representation of God's presence. It was never meant to host or keep him captive in said temple. This is why when Jesus dies and comes back from the dead, the veil in the temple was ripped because no longer, he was never contained. Can we all understand that? Like he was never like a genie in the bottle, like, oh no, I'm stuck. But for people in their hearts and in their minds, he was stuck. And once we intellectually and spiritually put God into a box in our heart, he stays in said box. But here he is today in 2023 knocking on the doors going, I'm so much bigger than your man-made box. Let me out. And experience my goodness. Understand, though, when you let him out, there is risk. And the risk is this, is that he's going to tell you things you don't want to hear when you don't want to hear them. He's going to point out things, not because he's hateful, but because he is loving about your life and your relationships, your friends, your finances, and your health. And there is going to be a moment that it is uncomfortable. The, Jesus says that, that when the world hates you, be grateful because they hated me too. So this idea that all people can always get along, again, we always show respect because we're respectful people. I'm never going to be mean to anybody. But out of respect, I can disagree with them and they can be uncomfortable, and I can be uncomfortable, and that's gonna be okay. You ever seen somebody at Target, and you go, ah, man, did, did they have a mirror? Am I the only person? Then I'm like, I, I'm wondering if they just got dressed in the dark, ran out of the door. Just me? Thank you for being honest, Mom. We're going to hell together. No, there was, there, there's just, there's just, there's just every once in a while you're like, that's bold. <laughs> bold move. Okay, we'll pull it back. We'll make it so personal. You remember back in the day when American Idol just started? And they'd have these people sing, and they were like heavenly, and then somebody would go, What? And they would be on national TV, mortified because they stunk. And all I can think was, where were their friends? <laughs> where was their parents that go, we love you as a plumber, not as a singer. You stink. <laughs> Having a hard conversation sometimes is the most loving thing you can do. And here's where it comes into when we are always worried about everybody always getting along and we're unwilling to have hard, not mean conversations, uncomfortable conversations, not cruel conversations, uncomfortable conversations, not belittling conversations, uncomfortable conversation, or willing to look at somebody and go, I love you enough to tell you that's wrong. That's what love is. Truth in love. Not mocking somebody, not being mean or cruel or a bully, but looking at somebody going, I love you enough to say that you're just wrong. And we're living lives today 
that are parallel with what Stephen is talking about then. I think it's funny that we would ever think that God could be confined to a building, but we, we typically try to do the same thing on a regular basis. That's like me whenever I was a teenager and I'd get pulled over by the police just a couple of dozen times. I would put on Christian radio as if that would... <laughs> that, was, that was the magic note for God to be like, and I'm here, and oh, I'll take care of this ticket. Never worked. <laughs> I think he assumed because I was a Christian I could afford it. So, <laughs> joke's on him. Dad paid it. All right, here we go. Verse 51 you stiff-necked. That's fun. Can we talk about that? That doesn't mean you're sore. It doesn't mean that they hit the gym really hard and they're like, oh, no. It doesn't mean they had some kind of traumatic uh, head trauma from a football game and they're a little sore for their neck's sore. This means you're unwilling to look any direction than straight ahead. You're unwilling to turn and look at another option. You're so consumed that you and your only direction is right and right alone. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. He has to clarify that. Remember, that idea of circumcision was a sign of the covenant. So in other words, he's saying, you may be the sign of the covenant on the outside, but the sign of the covenant's not on the inside. You're a Christian because you go to church, but you a sinner on the inside. You raise your hands on a Sunday and you look like your, your junk don't stink, but we all know you at a club the night before. You're, you're standing here saying, God, glory to God, amen. But we all, I mean, your heart is saying that six days and 22 other hours of the, the week, you, God is far from you. This is what he's calling them. Not only in your heart, but also in your ears. Because if you love God, you're willing to heed his correction. So, you're unwilling to look any other direction and you're fake on the outside because your inside is rotten. And oh, by the way, you're unwilling to hear his goodness with your ears to know that he's even here. Even what I'm saying right now, which is hitting you in the face with truth, you can't even hear it. It's like the old V8 commercial when they got smacked in the face. and should have had a V8. Like, I could smack you in the face with common sense and you still wouldn't recognize it. You have always resisted the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. This could not be more of an insulting gut punch. Stephen couldn't have said anything worse. You are as rejecting God's plans as those stupid people who are worshiping idols. You've just traded a golden calf for a temple. And just like you killed all the prophets and you, uh, uh, your fathers assaulted the prophets and they hated the prophets, now you... Now you admire them. Now you think they were great. 
Isn't that funny how history works? People of today we hate, but then we idolize them later on the road. Those people your parents hated, and now you're hearing the real truth yet again, and just like your grandpappy, you did the exact same thing. Stephen's main point was unmistakable. As, is, as Israel was in its history, so are you today. God gave you the law. You have not kept it. And just like them, you've murdered the prophet yet again. The difference is, this one you murdered. Can, can we just talk about this for a second? He's, he's talking to a group of Jewish leaders. This is going to prove my point right now. Do you know who Jesus is today to the Muslims and the Jews? Can anybody? A great prophet. They don't hate him. The Muslims don't hate Jesus. The Jews don't hate Jesus. It's the exact same thing. Back then you hated him and killed him. So if I was to go to Jerusalem today, I could look at them and go, your forefathers hated the one and they killed him. And just like they did back, it's the, in a nutshell, history is repeating itself perpetually over and over and over again. But it doesn't have to. Because there's always the remnant that stand up for righteousness. There's always a clog in the wheel of the enemy's plans that ruin the whole thing. God does not need armies of millions. He needs willingness of tens. The enemy needs trends and the world to go in a specific direction. God just needs a handful to stand up. Because what he can do with five loaves and fishes... Think what he can do with five people who stand up for righteousness. And they were cut to the heart, verse 54. They gnashed at him with their teeth, so angry, gritting their teeth with fury. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, said, Look! They, they can't look. They're so fixated and so angry at him, they're missing a divine moment right above their own heads. I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, and then they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him to death. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And with that, he fell asleep. Stephen speaks truth. They didn't want to hear it. There's a man named Saul that did hear it. He heard the whole thing. And Saul was happy at this death. He was happy at this execution. It's interesting because in my, in my life, sometimes there's these moments where I look back and go, 
I look back at high school and different moments, and, and we'd go to different parties, and somehow or another, a Christian would always sneak in. And we try to get them to drink. We try to do it. They wouldn't do it. In fact, they, they would more or less preach the gospel, if you will. And there's nothing like a buzzkill than a 16-year-old living for God, and you're like, I'm just trying to get lit, and you are ruining it. I hated him for it. But I also look back at that moment and go, their boldness then and that kind of face pushes me forward today. Saul had a defining moment right then. And in a few chapters from now, a few moments from now, we're going to see this same man have another defining moment that's going to revolutionize the world. See, God didn't need the synagogue. He needed a Stephen to speak truth. He needed a man to look up and go, I am so convinced that God's word is real, I'll give everything up for it. I'll give up my relationships. I'll give up my reputation. I'll give up my comfort level. I'll give up my everything, including my very breath, to say Jesus is Lord. Our world is doing its absolute best to silence your voices. It's making you afraid that if you speak truth that you are going to be a bigot. If you speak truth, that means you hate homosexuals. If you speak truth, that means that you uh, hate uh, people of color. If you speak truth, that means you hate uh, people who are dealing with uh, gender issues. That means that you hate. Can I tell you? We don't hate anyone. There is no hate. We love everyone. My name is Pete. I was a sinner saved by grace. There was no one more lost than I was. I remember that. Hi, my name is Pete. I was a sinner saved by grace and then still screwed up after grace. I remember that. There is nothing but love here. And I don't care what color skin you have, what, what, what gender you are. I don't care how much money you have or you don't have. I don't care how tall or how short, how skinny or how fat, how old or how young. Truth is truth. And that is this. There is one God and one creator who sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of humanity, to atone for their sins, to be the once and for all sacrifice of sacrifices so that you could have today what he offered back in the wilderness, and that is a one-on-one relationship with God. Can you see that for all of these years, from the Garden of Eden to the moments in the wilderness to today, God has been seeking out relationship with his people, and he has not changed. And today you're hearing my voice, and he is seeking out relationship with you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Not through striving, not through hoops. We saw just a second ago the Pharisees did all the things on the outside, but the inside is what he's seeking after, your heart. So give him your heart today. Serve him. It's going to be uncomfortable. Serve him. It's not always going to be fun. Serve him. It's going to be painful at moments. Serve him. It's going to be lonely at moments. Serve him. Because there is peace, there is joy, there is protection, there is guidance, and there is, most importantly of all of that, there is purpose in his plan. 
Seek after his plan for your life and have that one-on-one relationship and it will, de- it will just change everything, I promise you. So I'm gonna pray. If you wanna talk about it, we can talk about it. Otherwise, we'll let Matt go get lunch. Heavenly God, we just thank you that for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, you have been seeking out your people. From the moment of sin in the garden, you had a plan. In the wilderness of, outside of Egypt, you had a calling. Today, we still reject sometimes your plans. But God, I believe that today there are people that are hearing, hearing this and wanting a relationship with you. It doesn't have to come through service of, of works. It doesn't have to come through craziness of actions. But God, today, that they can look and recognize that they don't have to be stiff-necked individuals to go, I have been wrong in my ways. And today, God, I admit my wrongness. Step two, God, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Lead me, guide me, however you want me to be. Number three, I believe within my heart, God, that you were raised from the dead, that you did the impossible today, and I confess that with my mouth, that you are my Lord and Savior. I need you today, in Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. I'll see you guys in a few weeks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.